Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Mental Wellness Wake-Up Show, a weekly podcast where growth-minded, creative people come to learn best practices from both spirituality and psychology that create lasting well-being. I am your host, mental wellness expert, improvised acting teacher, therapist, and coach, Dawn McMillan. Let's get to it. Hello, you beautiful humans, and thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up here today. I am honored to be with you. I am out in the wild, also known as my therapy office, (laughs) and uh, really enjoying the opportunity to just connect with you once again. It really is my honor and pleasure to be a part of this community and to see how this community is growing. And that is 100% thanks to you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for liking. If you could share this podcast with at least one other person, you would be a miraculous benefit to the growth of the podcast. If you could find your way clear to give a yield five-star review on whatever format or uh, platform you are listening on, but especially Spotify and Apple, that would also help grow the podcast. I believe that the more of us who are looking to elevate consciousness and create more joy on this planet, the better. So thank you. And thank you for that. Um, I've been inspired by two things that I've heard very recently, and I'm going to do my best to integrate them in a way that is actually useful to all of us. So... Let's begin. So in military circles, there is an acronym called VUCA, V-U-C-A, and that stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, Ambiguous. And this acronym is used to help prepare soldiers, that's my word for it, and other sailors and other kind of things, but I'm an army brat, bear with me, to prepare uh, fighters for going into situations that may be very, very stressful because they are volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. Here's my question. Have you noticed anything else besides war zones that might be volatile, uncertain, complex, or ambiguous, day-to-day life, for example. One of the learnings that I took away from the global pandemic really is uh, you can do your best to prepare for the future. You can lay the groundwork to the best of your ability. And sometimes professor life has a different agenda for us. Sometimes you cannot predict how things are going to go. And the reality is that that is true more often than we would care to think. Most of us have a very strong control agenda. We think that control equals safety. And so we get into this frame of mind to where I need to be in control in order to be safe. I need to be able to predict the future in order to tolerate the future. And yet, there are any number of circumstances in which we find ourselves involved in situations that are volatile uncertain, complex, or ambiguous. So what does that do to our nervous system? Those circumstances are a beautiful recipe for triggering that sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, 
And there are, I'm throwing jewelry on the floor, there are entities on the planet right now who are going out of their way to keep us in a constant state of fear, to keep us in a constant state of feeling unsafe. And because there are people who are fearful and feel unsafe, those same people being triggered are actually acting out behaviors that make it less safe for the rest of us. Here in the United States, we've seen an uptick in hate crimes over the last seven years. Here in the United States, we've seen an uptick in aggressive driving and car accidents. So as that happens, as some people are triggered by their fear, their anxiety, the media outlets that they're consuming that promote paranoia, hatred, othering, we now, the rest of us, have to now compensate for that aggression, for that hostility. And so now we start feeling unsafe. And then we start feeling unsafe. Our nervous system gets set permanently to fight, flight, or freeze or oscillates among them. I was working with someone recently whose diagnosis is depression. And as we were working together, she verbalized some awareness of the degree to which anxiety has been running the show for her. And what will happen is we get those triggers from inside or outside that we are unsafe for whatever reason. And in her case, anxiety jumps up, which is in the fear spectrum. Her nervous system just did not have the ability to get into anxiety mode. Remember from our anxiety episode, anxiety is asking you to take action. And she didn't have it. And so her nervous system switched to freeze, full shutdown, only managing to get to work. And so what we are confronting, and I don't mean to be dramatic or over, um, over I don't want to be over dramatized day to day life or underplay the significance of being in an actual war zone. So please hear me. I'm not trying to say that day-to-day life is actually like a war zone. That would be disrespectful to every human being who's actually had to live in that space. So I'm not doing that. And I want to draw the, the parallel in our nervous system that when, when life feels, appears, or we experience it as volatile, uncertain, complex, or ambiguous, we shift into that sympathetic nervous system, which shuts down our ability to reason. It shuts down our ability to empathize for the most part. I'm oversimplifying the the neurobiology of it. And that is not a space that any of us want to be in. Do you, as a human being, want to walk around in a constant state of what's that? Or being so frozen that you can't manage to get up off the couch unless your livelihood depends on it. Or (sighs) violent. (laughs) Like, do you want to go around committing acts of violence against people? I mean, the, the road rage is insane right now. So what do we do about this? What do we do about this? What do we do about this? We want to trigger our parasympathetic nervous system. We want to get into tend and befriend, tend and befriend, rest and digest. We want to give ourselves a break. Even 
if life appears volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And hear me out. I'm not really a huge Star Wars fan. Don't shun me. Don't shun me. I'm still a good person. And Jedis are not activated. Our most competent Jedis, our most competent martial artists, our most competent sports figures are not freaking out, right? When you freak out, you choke. You freak out, you don't do your job. You get into the zone. You get into the zone and you are much more effective. So if the world is in fact a little dangerous, let's, 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 let's give that, make that a given. If in fact the world is a little dangerous, you make yourself safer by being calmer. You have more of your internal and external resources available to you if you are calmer, if you get yourself into that centered space. So the lie, the lie of fight, flight, or freeze is that it makes you better. Now, unless you are actually in physical danger, unless you are actually in physical danger, the car is careening towards you, the person is in your face screaming, unless you are in physical danger, emotional danger is not served by flight, fight, or freeze. It, it makes it worse. So that uh, acronym was actually brought to my attention, not in the military context, but by a Buddhist teacher, the venerable Tenzin Priyadarshi. Tenzin, Tenzin Priyadarshi brought that to my awareness. And now I want to tie it in to something that Tara Brock spoke. Tara Brock is also um, a Buddhist teacher. Don't let the Buddhism distract you. We're talking philosophy and tools. And she was sharing on a podcast recently about survival of the friendliest. What? Didn't I mean survival of the fittest? No friend. I did not. Survival of the friendliest. It's not the whole point of the podcast, but it is something that popped out to me. If you think about the reason why dogs are thriving and wolves are not, one element is their friendliness. The animals who evolved to become, become dogs learned to communicate and cooperate with us humans, the apex of the predator system, the most dangerous people on the planet, right? So now my house is completely arranged around the comfort of the four-legged critter. Yoga mats, runners, soft little stairs, very specific foods and temperatures. <laughs> the dog is the boss of the house. Survival of the friendliest, that being able to tend and befriend is actually a survival strategy. Wolves are endangered, dogs are thriving. What about Homo sapiens? What about Homo sapiens? Homo sapiens survived by banding together. We were not the biggest, we were not the strongest, but we were the ones who were the best able to band together. And uh, so, we were able to outcompete our other hominid competitors, and we were able to survive even until now. So yes, I'm oversimplifying everything, and this is for a point. What if what we are being called to do in this time of what is to lean into survival of the friendliest? Now, I'm not suggesting 
that, you know, you're out at the bar and there's a, a bar fight and, you know, you just walk in and say, hey, can't we all just get along and you get punched in the face? I'm not suggesting that. And I am suggesting that most of the, most of the sympathetic nervous system activation that we experience is self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted. We're not actually in harm's way. We're not actually in harm's way. We are not actually in harm's way. The news would have you believe that you are, but we are not actually in harm's way. And when we respond as if we are, we make ourselves less effective. So let's tend and befriend. Let's lean into survival of the friendliest. How can you connect to another human being? You get two benefits. One, I don't know, other people are cool. Two, you can co-regulate each other's nervous systems. So both of you leave the interaction more better. Both of you leave the interaction in a more tender, befriend state. How can you be friendlier? How can you be a ripple in a pond that says rather than leaning into competition, let's lean into cooperation? One way that you can do this is to downregulate your own nervous system first. Being a, an enlightened person, being a wise person, being an evolved person requires courage. I'm asking you to have the courage to go first. Downregulate your own nervous system. It's worth it because one, you will feel better. Two, you'll be much more effective in the case of danger. And three, you will set a tone that is as contagious to other people possibly as those bad vibes. You ever walk into a room and you're like, oh, you could cut the tension with a knife it's so thick in here what if you were the person who was setting it up so people walk in and their shoulders drop and their breath deepens because the peace is so thick in here you could breathe it in like oxygen one way to downregulate your nervous system really is to slow down your exhale i know don yeah i know you know but are you doing it slow down your exhale slow down your exhale did you notice me slowing down my speech? That's one way to trick yourself into slowing down your exhale because while you are speaking, you are exhaling. So you can slow down your speech. You can intentionally breathe more slowly. Inhale for a count of four, exhale for a count of eight. What else? We've talked about this before. Intentionally put yourself in your peripheral vision. So if you allow your, fo your focus to go fuzzy and intentionally try to see off to the sides of you, you will automate, automatically go into your uh, parasympathetic nervous system because one of the things that happens in fight, fight, or freeze is, especially as predators with our eyes in the front of our faces, we get something called tunnel vision. We are looking out for threats and nothing else. So you can work on your breathing. You can use your peripheral vision. One of my favorites, if you can manage it, is if you imagine that your sit bones, you know, the little bony parts of your bottom that press into hard chairs and make you uncomfortable, and your hip bones are uh, points on a square. If you just breathe in and imagine them expanding away from each other in all directions, 
you relax the pelvic floor. And if you relax your pelvic floor, are you in a really great space to be. So you as an individual can opt out of the fear and the panic. You can opt out of buying that every moment of every day is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. You don't have to buy that. You don't have to believe that. And you certainly don't have to contribute to that. So you can downrate your own nervous system and be contagious and be contagious. So you walk into a room, you do your little peripheral vision, your deep breath, your nervous system is downregulated. And now you are open to be the person who engages in survival of the friendliest. Survival of the friendliest. I realize this is counterculture. So much of our media right now is about survival of the violent, violentest, survival of the most violent, right? You got zombies running around. You got bands of uh, uh, violent humans. Be more violent than they are. Kill more people of their people than kill you. And that's how you survive. Okay, that's one point of view. Our ancestors survived by banding together. Our ancestors survived by banding together. What if the way forward for us now is by banding together? One of the reasons I think everything, everywhere, all at once, the movie resonated so much with people is that the ultimate message is about kindness. Are we hungry for a message about kindness? So will you consider joining me in opting out of this constant state of fight, flight, freeze? Will you join me in making the choice of downregulating your own nervous system so that you can expand your awareness and your availability to those other people who are vibing on the same trip? I've been listening to Ram Dass, so if I sound like an escapee from the 1970s, that's why. Will you play the game of survival of the friendliest? Now, it can be a little scary. Those of us who are traumatized be like, oh, people take advantage of you. Here's the thing. When you are in that relaxed nervous system, your perception is better. Your emotional awareness is available. Your intellectual awareness is available. So you're actually safer. You're actually safer. And I want you to be safe, my beloved humans, for any number of reasons, including but not limited to you are an astonishing person. When I think of all the things that you've gone through, how fabulous that you turned out so well. How fabulous are you? You are a contribution to this planet. You are a gift. You are enough. And it doesn't hurt that you are so gorgeous. I mean, come on, have you seen yourself? You are a beautiful being, head to toe, inside and out. And right here, right now, and forevermore, you are worthy and deserving of a life so gorgeous that it transcends even your own imagination. So yeah, let's go out there and let's be friendly. Forgive the soapbox. I hope you'll join me. Until next time.